I want to share with you from the Old Testament and New Testament. So if you're following along in your Bibles, I'm going to read from the New American Standard as well as I'm going to read from the NIV. Because if you are going through with us again this year, many of you have these right here, the one-year Bibles. Now, some of you say, Mark, I, I got off track. I'm so behind. Doesn't matter. They're all dated. Pick the date and start. Keep going. Because I cannot emphasize enough to everyone the importance of feasting upon God's Word. Not just being fed God's Word from somebody else or from any other means. It's important that you read God's Word. Whether it's a verse, a chapter, a book, or a whole testament, whatever the case, you need to be immersing yourself in the Word of God. Because this is what's going to allow you to stand, to have deep roots when the storms of life come. And I'm telling you, they will come. Maybe you're in the midst of one now, but I'm telling you, the sure thing is the storms of life are coming. And they're going to get harder and harder. And that's why it's so important that we do not waste any time of digging into God's Word. As a church... But more importantly, as individuals, because when we disperse from this place this morning, you take with you the Word of God, but you need the Word of God as you go through this week and the weeks ahead to sustain you when we're not physically together. Now, we know that God created us to be relational people. We've talked about that over the last 18 months. It's so important that we fellowship with one another. But that's not the number one goal. The number one goal is that you and you and you and you and all of us connect with God Almighty through His Word, which He spoke. He spoke His Word and it was recorded. Everything God really wanted to say has been said. Amen? It needs no updating and no changes. It needs no cultural relevance. It needs no dressing up or dressing down. The truth, the absolute truth that God Almighty, the Creator, spoke, He spoke. We need to absorb, and then we need to live. This morning, I want to share with you something. I, how many of you have been watching the Olympics? It's, it's this thrown Terry and I off. When you sit down to watch them and realize this is already done, almost a day ago. The good thing about it is you, if you know they already won, you don't have to worry that much. Right? It's a great thing to observe sports like that, to know who already won so that you're not so anxious and have so much anxiety. Although last night... We knew who won already, and yet we're still both screaming at the TV, go, go, go! And then we kind of sit back going, why are we doing this? He already won. The tears of the athletes that flow, what an incredible thing. From the depths of their heart, to see him stand on the podium and see tears, honest tears of pride and joy expressed. What an incredible thing. And yet we live in a world 
that is as confused as ever. We live in a world where we are searching and don't know what we're searching for. We live in a world and a society where we want someone to stand up and tell us the truth, and then we'll follow it if it's what we want. And so what we see are little tidbits of truth and a lot of opinion thrown out there. And the church has been no different. We have bowed to the pressure of filling the pews over filling the soul. And we fill the soul by feasting upon the Word of God and proclaiming absolute truth. This morning I share with you from 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Now I know that's in the Old Testament and it's thrown in there, but I tell you what, reading... Now some of those other books are really challenges, I have to say, but 2 Chronicles, it's just amazing. You have to have a little notepad to write down who's king at the time you're reading. Because one, they change so fast, and some are good, mostly all bad. But anyway, it, and the names, I can't pronounce them. But there's, there was tucked in something here on July 26th that's just incredible. And one verse just, just jumped out at me. And I want to share that as we tie it into the New Testament as well. Because I believe it's God just, just talking to us. So let me give you a little synopsis of what's happening in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Asa had been king. His son, Jehoshaphat, has now succeeded him. Now, Asa was a man with God, but then he fell short as well. And Jehoshaphat came in as a man following God and wanting to do what God wants him to do. Jehoshaphat is Asa's son. And he succeeds Asa as the king of Judah. Remember, the nation of Israel had been split to the, to the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. All right? So God's people had been split. And so Asa had been king of Judah, and now Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Now stay with me. Ahab is king of Israel. Jehoshaphat kind of merges the two via marriage. And so all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat is blessed by God incredibly as you read in 2 Chronicles 17. The Lord, in verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practice of Israel. So Jehoshaphat is blessed with power and wealth and everything else because he was following and being obedient unto God. So he was blessed so much that through this marriage that kind of connected him to Israel through King Ahab at the time, he goes down to visit Ahab. All right? So now Ahab wasn't as powerful and, and wasn't on the right track, you might say. And so Ahab wanted to go to war with another nation. So seeing that Jehoshaphat was so powerful and so blessed by God, he wanted to get the A-team together. And so while Jehoshaphat is visiting 
Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, hey, join me in this battle. Will you come alongside me and help me defeat this nation? And if you read in, in 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. Now listen here. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. First seek the counsel of the Lord. He says, we'll join you, but you must first seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets. Reading on. 400 men and asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will, will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said this. Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So implied in the verse in the chapter in the book is that Ahab called together these 400 guys thinking quantity is better than quality and asked them, what should I do? And what do these guys do? Hey, we know where our bread and butter is. King, go for it. Go to battle. Jehoshaphat, being a man of God, said, wait a minute, there's a problem here. We need to seek of a prophet that has the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, which I just read, and he said, go. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there a longer a prophet of the Lord whom, here whom we can acquire of? Now listen to King Ahab's response. Listen. The king of Israel... Answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micah, son of Emma or Amiah. Now, did you hear what I hear? Let me, let me just read. These are two kings. They're getting ready to go to war. They're getting ready to risk thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. Joseph says, get somebody that has the counsel of the Lord because he's a man of God. And the king of Israel, the other half or other part of the nation of Israel, his reply is this. There is, one, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Ah, a double ah, but always bad. So we see right away the heart of King Ahab. If you read on into the rest of the story, the prophet that they called on said, don't. And I'll let you read the rest of the story of how it ends. Because that's not where we want to go this morning. Where we want to go is basically in this one verse. Jehoshaphat has been asked to go into battle. But he could have been asked to do anything, and his heart at that moment, being one of obedience to God the Father, said, first, 
Before we do anything, let us ask for guidance from God through the prophet. And here a king responds, oh yeah, there's one we can inquire of. First of all, but I hate him. That's bad enough. But second of all, he says, I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Well, duh, did you ever think there might not be something good to prophesy about you about? But is this so far off from where we are? Is this so far off from where we are as the church universal? We quickly make decisions to do this or that. And oh, we have a prayer at the beginning and the end of the meeting. And yet, do we really inquire of the Lord about what he wants us to do? And when we do that, are we willing to accept his answer or response to us? Are we willing to go to the word of God and seek out what we should do? And are we willing to accept the answer that God has provided in his word and then be obedient and follow it? Let's look over into the New Testament. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Some people say, Mark, the Old Testament was the Old Testament. Hey, we're all about the New Testament now. Just It's there and we'll tolerate it, but just you need to be in the New Testament. Well, I'm bringing the Old and the New together because it's all called the Bible, amen? Old and New. The old gives the foundation for the new, and the new references the old because it's all important because God spoke it. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to the myths, or to myths. So is the reading of God's word in the New Testament. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. If you were wondering if we are in the end times, wonder no more. It's just a matter of where we are on the timeline. And we don't have to wonder or worry about that because the scriptures give us an answer for that. Because the scriptures say you will not know the date nor the time of the reappearing of Jesus as Lord and Savior. But do understand, as Revelation provides to us, guidance and direction that we are currently right now in the end times. We are one day closer than we were yesterday, as I say all the time. Why should we know that, and why should we even be concerned? Because prayerfully, it will increase the urgency of you and me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world and to provide some less anxiety for us because if we are found in Jesus, then we already know what our end is going to be. But not to be apathetic about knowing what's for us but rather to be intentional about sharing the gift that we have been given so others can have the same gift. 
If you have not worried about where you're going to go when you die, you need to worry. Now somebody's going to say, but Mark, the Bible says don't worry. Okay, you just change that W word to anything you want. I don't care, but you need to, you need to be doing something about knowing where you're going to go when you breathe your last breath. Because there is a choice, and the choice is now, and it's to be made now while you're living and breathing. Because if you make no choice, you make a choice. That's the truth. That's the Word of God. It's time we put behind the one in our ears tickled and start to live based on the truth of the Word of God. There are things now that everyone is are so concerned about. I want to encourage you in three ways. I want you to hear the Word of God over and over, and especially in the book of Revelation, he who has an ear, let him hear. How many of you have an ear this morning? Some of you have double. You do the math. That's how important listening is, right? I exhort you as people, as men and women of God, as people who are here this morning or joining us online, for whatever reason that God brought you to this moment and to this second to hear this message, not from me, but from him, listen up and hear. You must decide. No one can decide for you. But no matter what, a decision will be made either by you or on your behalf. Please don't make it on your behalf because you will not like it. Hear, listen, not just hear. We hear a lot of things, don't we? Ladies, you should all be going, yes. My husband hears a lot of things, but he listens to none. Listen means we now not only hear the words spoken, but we ingest the meaning of the words. Yes. So not only hear, but listen. Don't just give a nod to the gospel of God and go on about it. Listen to the truth of God's word being spoken as we read it, as you read it, and listen to it so that you can hear what God is saying to you. Listen. You have to want to. You have to want to listen. Not to just hear what you want to hear, but more importantly, what you need to hear. Big difference. Hear. Hear. In our world today, hear, but in, more importantly, listen to what is being said. Seek. Seek understanding. Once you hear, once you listen, then take that which you have heard and seek understanding about it. Have discernment in and of yourself. Don't let someone else discern where you're going to spend eternal and eternity. You have to discern it. And don't do it because somebody else. Do it because you believe the absolute truth of God. Discernment. We have very little of that today. And last but not least, after you hear, after you listen, after you seek understanding and then apply discernment, then apply it and move forward. Make a decision. People need to make decisions today for themselves. 
for yourself, for myself. And I need to be okay. Not that I am not saddened by those who choose not to decide Jesus. I am saddened and I will continue to pray. I cannot force them to choose Jesus. I can only present to them the gospel message as presented by God Almighty himself. But we must move forward. There is so much fear and sadness and confusion today because we won't make decisions. As bad as Ahab's decision was back in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, at least he was willing to admit, even though it was bad, he had the guts to admit, I hate what these, this guy says because he never says anything that's good about me. At least we know where Ahab stood, and we can pray through that and for him. People today are waiting for somebody to stand up and tell them what they should do about all these issues that are going on right now. You have to decide. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ and having the knowledge of God have an advantage because guess what? We can hear and listen and then we go to God in prayer. And we can say, dear God, there is so much presented to me. I'm not sure what the truth is. I think there's probably some truth in all of it, but God, I am confused. Help me. Help me know the right direction and the right decision. And he tells us he will hear us and he will answer us. Now, it may not be that big, loud voice from heaven like we'd like. It may not be the two before upside the head that we would like or not like. It might not be that gentle nudging that we would all like rather than the big two before. But God promises us he will guide and direct us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. If we say it with our mouth, we must believe it with our heart, and we must live it in our lives. It's time. It, it may not be the right decision according to the world, but it's your decision. And you make it not by yourself, but through the power of prayer, and seeking the Creator Himself to guide and direct you. What else can you do? How much better can it be? But Mark, I still don't know what He wants me to do. Keep praying. And of everything that you hear and you discern and you seek understanding on, God expects you to get out of the boat or get in the boat and start oaring in some direction. Because sitting still is only allowing the one that will make you make the wrong decision. You see, Satan wins when we are a people that don't move. Satan wins when we are a people that don't think in and of and on our own with God's guidance and direction. And I don't know about you, but in the whole Bible... The ultimate is that we have already won the victory. Jesus won the victory over death and over sin, and through a relationship with him, we win that victory too. Jesus is already on the podium. He's asking us to come on up and join with him. But we have to decide. And church, we must be a witness and a testimony to the world. The world looks to us kind of, not that they want to acknowledge that, but they kind of look to us and say, well, what's the church doing? Not that I'm going to go, but what's the church doing? Let's just check in on them. 
Look, they're a bunch of scattered sheep. They have no idea. It's time that we understand the shepherd that sheep that shepherds us, that sheeps us. Same thing, right? I just made up a new word. It's time we, we move with the God we claim. It's time we live according to the, the words of the God we worship. It's time we're not filled with fear, but we're filled with the Holy Spirit that Jesus said would allow us to do greater things than he did. Why? Because he knew what was coming. I don't care your age. I don't care your health. I don't care your economic, social, whatever that stuff is, status. Because it doesn't mean anything at the foot of the cross. What means everything is that you and I understand we have a creator who loves us and who will guide and direct us and who will answer our prayers and he will help us to make decisions. And he doesn't want us to be robots. He wants us to make decisions on our own with his guidance and direction. How can we know his guidance and direction if we don't know the word of God? We've been spoon-fed too long. We need to call it what it is. I'm not going to ask God to send down the report card of where we stand right now because I'm afraid we'd all be in trouble. But that doesn't mean we have to stay there. Just like our teachers encourage us, yep, you're not doing well, but if you work harder, you can do better. I'm saying we must do better. But we don't have to do it alone. God says, I'm right there with you. In all of our confusion, in all of our not knowing, in all of our wondering and things of that nature, God is there with us. But we have to hear, we have to listen, we have to seek understanding, and we have to move in a direction. But first, we must seek his help, his guidance, and his direction, and reveal ourselves to him. He already knows, but reveal ourselves to him because then we're acknowledging that we cannot do it in and of ourselves. Folks, we can't wait just every Sunday to hear a sermon or, or sing some songs or, or, or commune around the table and, and get that, that few-minute good feeling, and then we leave, and then we just run off of that mainly going to empty really quick until we get back next Sunday. The challenge is what you're going to do later today, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I don't care who you are, until you breathe your last breath, according to the Word of God, you have ministry to complete. There is no segment of time in our life where we can just say, hey, we're good, we're going to ride it through until we enter the kingdom of God. No, 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 no. Until I breathe my last and appear before him, and then he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into thy rest. Until then, I have stuff to do for him and for his glory and honor. Training never ends. What about it?